So we've been in a series called Mastermind, and it, it's based on this truth, this principle that if we could change our thoughts, if we could change the way we think, we could change our lives. We don't change our lives and then adjust the way we think. We change the way we think, and the result is our lives are changed. Now, you can change the way you think to think more negatively, more down on yourself, more down on your world, more down on your God, more, more down on your life and your environment. Consequently, your life is going to change in a more negative, downward way. But if we could lift up our thoughts, if we could lift up the, the way we think, if we could think more positively, knowing how God feels about us and how He feels about our lives and where He wants us to go, then suddenly from those thoughts, we would start to see a positive life change. But it's up to you because your life follows your strongest thoughts. And last week, uh, you, you know, I just, Pastor Darren talked to us about uh, understanding how God views us. Because many of us live life like the prodigal son thinking, well, I've messed up so bad, if I could just come to God and be a slave, if I could just be a servant in his house, that would be better than where I am. But, but God, like the father in the prodigal son story, he doesn't view us like a slave. He doesn't view us like a servant. Despite the times we've messed up, he comes running and he wraps his arms around us and he reminds us that we are sons and daughters of God. So we have to adjust our thinking. I, I, I really believe that the foundation of everything you think in your life Every thought you think, every belief that you have in your heart should be this. My God has called me a son. Ladies, my God has called you a daughter. And that's got to be the foundation of how we, how we think and how we live and how we move throughout our life. Is that even when I mess up, I'm still a son. I don't, the, the Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He didn't set us free so that we could go back to living like a slave. No, he set you free so that you could be free, that you could live free, that you could live above the problems in your life. You could live above the struggles and you could accomplish everything that he's called you to do. Can I just say this to you this morning? There might be some people in this room that feel like you, you thought you had great dreams and great plans and God had great things in store for you. But you've made so many mistakes in life, you've disqualified yourself. Can I just tell you that when the, when the son came back, he didn't go to starting at the bottom again, but the father said, let's put a ring on your finger, let's put a robe on your shoulders, let's kill the fatted calf and let's have a big party, and you're going right back in. You haven't disqualified yourself. See yourself how God sees you. The dream you've been dreaming is still attainable. The purpose that God has given you, you can still fulfill. Your marriage can still turn around. Your finances can still get out of the gutter. You can still finish that college degree. You can still get that promotion that you've been wanting and, and praying for. You can still get to where God wants you to get. You can still beat the addiction in your life. You can still overcome the, the hurt and the, and the brokenness in your life. You can overcome the anger. You can do it. Get to look at the person right next to you really quickly and just say, you can do it. Y'all are going to get with me here in a minute. It's going to be a good day. Once we recognize 
Once we get this foundation of how God sees us, that no matter what we've done, we are still sons and daughters of God. This is the foundation. Now we shift to not how God sees us, but how we see ourselves. The, the first hurdle is to understand that God really loves me. And the reason we, we struggle to believe that God really loves us is because we don't really love ourselves. So I, I want to challenge you to believe that God really loves you. Here's what, here's what Paul wrote in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is what I want you to get through in your mind today. In the midst of your sin, God has already proved his love towards you. This is so important to, to get this foundation because what we do our, to ourselves is we choose not to like ourselves, not to love ourselves because of our problems. And then we approach God and we say, God can't love me because I have all these problems. So I have to fix all of my stuff. Then I can come to God. I see people all the time. Hey man, I hadn't seen you in church in a while. Yeah, I'm trying to work a few things out. I've got to get some, I've got to get some stuff worked out and then I'll be back, pastor. You're missing the point. The point is we come to God and he works on the rest. And the same thing is true of ourselves. You can't wait till you get all of your stuff worked out to fall in love with yourself. You can't wait till you become perfect and fix all of your flaws until you like yourself. How many of you know those people, have one of those people in your life, and don't look around right now, but they just seem to love everything about themselves. They're totally oblivious to their flaws. They're totally oblivious when they mess up. They just float through life just smiling and happy-go-lucky and just everything is good and every. Do y'all know any people like that? <laughs> the back row was pointing at some people. I ain't going to tell you who they were, because here's the problem. We don't like you. Because the rest of us, the rest of us get caught up on our flaws. We're down on ourselves. We're critical of ourselves. We're frustrated with ourselves. We make a mistake. And not only do we remind ourselves, but we remind everybody else about the mistake we made. We make excuses for why we aren't where we aren't where we're supposed to be and, and we're just you know we're trying to like ourselves and you just love yourself all the time you brag on yourself you talk about how wonderful your life is and we're just trying to survive the day do you understand is, is there, maybe that's just me maybe that's just me because I'm, I'm super analytical and I and I struggle within my own self uh, that I'm that I'm always trying to convince uh, you know I feel like I've got to convince myself to like me, and I've got to con convince God to like me. But you know what? You can't convince God to love you. You can't convince God to love you. And guess what else? You can't perform well enough for God to love you more. You can't do enough right things for God to say, man, I liked you before, but now I really love you. I think we ought to live life. I think we ought to approach life with God like Lazarus. Think about this. Lazarus uh, and, and was, the, was the man in Scripture uh, who died, and Jesus resurrected him from the grave four days later. Okay? And when Mary and Martha, his two sisters, came to Jesus, Lazarus was sick. He's obviously dying. They come running to Jesus in, the, in a, a city or two away, and they say, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, what's up, Mary? What's up, Martha? And he says, Lazarus, the one whom you love is sick. 
I love that. I think we ought to approach God like that. Lord, it's, it's Randon, the one whom you love. I'm in need of some help today. Like, isn't that a better way to approach God that, hey, Lord, it's me. I got problems. I messed up again yesterday. And, uh, you know, I know you're mad at me, but if you would just spare me for just a moment, maybe I could approach you. No, no, we ought to approach God saying, it's me, the one whom you love. Isn't that a better way to approach God and just saying, God, I, I, I want to be like, like Lazarus was, like Mary and Martha was. Like, let me just remind you, God, the one whom you love, he's sick. Jesus is like, all right, I'm on, I'm on the case. But I bet if I approached life more, Jesus that way, he would, he would respond more. I just, have this, I just have this feeling if I, if I quit coming to God in all of my shame and all of my worry and all of my stress, but I put all that aside and I said, Lord, here I am, it's me and you love me. I just want to remind you. But we ought to wake up and remind ourselves of the same thing. We ought to love ourselves. We ought to like ourselves. We ought to like being around ourselves. You know the problem is? I have, how many of the people in your life that you just really do not like being around? A few of you do, Okay. The rest of you might be sitting next to them right now. That's, um, so you do not want to raise your hand. I get it. I have people in my life, I, I mean, you know, I'm nice to everyone. I'm a pastor. No matter where I go, I try to be really nice. Uh, I, I was at the gym the other day, and, and uh, uh, this, this girl came and talked to me and, and, uh, about uh, the church and things. And I was just not nice to her. And I didn't mean to be, but um, I, was in, <laughs> I was at the gym. And I don't like the gym. And, and then I was having to make some pastoral phone calls right after I left there. And so I was focusing on my conversation. And I, didn't, I wasn't mean. I just really, I wasn't super nice like I try to be. Uh, and so I, like, I had to apologize to her later. Um, but here's the thing. There are some people in my life that even when I'm nice to them, in my mind, I'm going, I don't even like you right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm being real right now. And, and, and you know, I know I, I love everybody, but I don't like everybody. You are okay this morning. It's going to be all right. I know. Y'all just looking at me so worried, like what I'm about to say. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When, when you don't like people in your life, most of them, you can get away from. You work with somebody you don't like, you get to go home at the end of the day. You get in the car and you're like, I'm so glad to be away from that person. I love my job. I hate that person. <laughs> Lord, I know I'm not supposed to hate, but ooh, it's strong. I came to have a good time today. I don't know what y'all are doing. I'm just up here having a good time. Uh, I was so, I've been so excited since I woke up this morning just to get into the house of God today. Um, but here's the problem when you don't like yourself. You can't get away. You wake up in the morning, there you are. You try to have breakfast in solitude, nope, there you are. You go to work to try not to think about it, and yet, there you are. So what do you do? You decide, I need a vacation, because i got to get away from these people that I don't like. So you fly to Hawaii, and you know what? Wherever you are, there you are. You can't get away from you. So when we don't like ourselves, it can tend to leave us in a miserable place. And you know what we end up doing? Is we project that onto other people. Because we don't like ourselves. Can I convince you of something today? I think you ought to fall in love with yourself. You ought to. 
And, you, and, and I don't mean like love yourself to the point that you treat other people poorly and, you know, it, life is all about you. Life is not all about you. But there is a difference in not loving yourself and coming all the way over to the other end of the scale where, where you go to a narcissistic life is all about me place. No, in the middle is this place where we recognize that God loved me so much that in the middle of my mess, before I even said yes to him, he sent his son to die for me. That's how much God loved me. Maybe I should like me too. Let me think, think about this. Um, in, in your marriage, in your marriage, you, you, you find something you love. Maybe it's a TV show you love. And you're so excited because what do you want to do? You want to share it with your spouse. So, so your, your wife comes in and she wants to share this new 1,804 uh, different HGTV redecorate your house show. Man, do y'all have, does y'all, y'all going to go silent on me right now. You're like, you're not getting me in the middle of this. Pastor. My wife loves to redecorate houses, right? And so, and that's it, always, that's what we watch. It's always on, you know, it's, it's, it's all of them. And she is so excited. It's always on? It's always on. Okay, thank you. I got two men right here. Not, all the rest of you are like, no, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. If, if I lie in the house of God, I'll deal with him. I'm not, getting, I'm, I'm not getting into it with my wife right now. Here's the point. She comes in, and she's so excited. Randy, you have to see this. And if I'm like, I don't like it, it's so disappointing for her. Ladies, am I right? You're like, you're like heartbroken. What do you mean? I love it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't like it. It's too much of this. It's too much of that. It's too little of this. And, and, and that guy's weird. I don't know. I, I can't deal with all this stuff. And, and, you're, and, and ladies, you're just so, oh my, like you're heartbroken broken because your husband doesn't love what you loved. Understand we were all made in God's image. Men, we're the same way, right? When you're watching the Cowboys, come on now, you the Texans any better right now? Like, put the two of them together, we can't score a touchdown. <laughs> and we're so excited, and your wife's coming in, and they're like, oh, yeah, that again, huh? Like, no, you mean you're heartbroken. Like, what do you mean? I tried to get my wife to go to an Astros game with me here a few weeks ago, and she's like, nope, not going. I'm like, what do you mean? Look, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Don't you know that when you decide you don't love yourself, that God is looking at you going, wait a minute, this is my masterpiece. You are my masterpiece. I, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. I worked long and hard on you. What do you mean you don't love yourself? We ought to. We ought to love ourselves. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. Guys, I don't know where I am in my notes right now. We all hate people, that's true. Here's, here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 31. They asked Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And he says, love the Lord your God above yourself. And he goes on, and here's the second one. He said, the second one is e equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. 633 laws of Moses. 633, none of them are higher than love the Lord God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is as high as it gets. These are the greatest, most important commandments. But I want you to note this little word right here, love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's supposed to fill in the blank right there. You're going to have to trust me. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. It says it on my screen back there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the problem. If you don't love yourself, I can assure you, you're not going to love the people around you. If you don't like something about yourself, if you don't get along with yourself, out of that, you're not going to like the people around you. You're not going to get along with the people around you. There creates this tension in our world. Why? Because we project what is on the inside of us. I'm trying to convince you of something today. We're, we're going somewhere. We, we project what is on the inside of us. So when I don't love me, I find it very difficult to love you. When I don't like me, I find it very difficult to like you. I can hide it, but in the back of my mind are these thoughts that I don't really like you and I'm really angry at you or I'm really uh, jealous because I like you better than me, but I don't want to talk about it, so now I'm mad at everybody. But if we could love ourselves, and we could set that standard really high. You see, here's the next part of it. Many of us don't like the world around us. We don't love the world around us. And we say, hey, I'm not breaking God's law because I don't love myself either. You want to love the world? You want to love your, your, your uh, consider this. You want to love your wife more? Love yourself more. Ladies, you want to like your husband more? Like yourself more. Because we're supposed to do these things at the same level. So if I want to like them more, I've got to like me more. Love your neighbor as to the same degree that you love yourself. You tracking with me? Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I love this. When you get into the presence of God, when, when God gets involved in your life, freedom steps in. Liberty steps in. Things begin to be released off of you. I said a moment ago that I think when we come into the house of God, when we come into church, we should leave and our, we should be lifted up. Why? Because we leave our weights and our cares at the altar of God. And in his presence, we're lifted up and things are broken off of us. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. So as we get in the presence of God and we're seeing him, he starts transforming us into his image, into the same image. Watch this. From terrible to glory. Is that what he said? No. He said, we are being transformed from glory to glory. Paul, you, you have to understand, the church in Corinth was all jacked up. Go read the two letters to Corinth. He's talking about people in the church, sons, who left with the father's wife. We're talking about a messed up church. Corinth was, was, a, was an evil city. Corinth was a city where people went to worship, and as a part of their worship, not in, in the church, but in their, in their, in their uh, Greek worship, that when they went into their temples, they would sleep with prostitutes and young women and young men as an act of worship. All messed up. And yet Paul writes to them, and he doesn't remind them of all of their mistakes. He says, let me just tell you, 
as we look into the image of God and we look in the, and behold in this, in this mirror, he changes us from glory to glory. What's, God, what's, what's Paul doing? He's trying to remind us that even when we have all of our flaws and all of our mistakes, there is still glory within you. There is still good inside of you. There is still something that God says, I want to work with that. There is still something inside of you that you can fall in love with. You're not all bad. You might have some bad areas in your life. You might have some mistake areas in your life. You might have some flaws in your life. But God is looking at you and saying, I want to take you from glory to glory. But we get so caught up in the negative and God's trying to take us into glory. Can you, can you get this, this principle in your heart today? If, if you can learn this, it, it will help you. But see, I, I, God, God just reminded me of something here a while back. He said, Randon, you're not a finished product. That's what Paul's saying. Look, he's taking you from glory to glory. Wherever you are, there's more glory coming. When you get to that glory, guess what? He's going to move you to another glory. This is the process of God. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He takes you from glory to glory to glory to glory. So I had to get this straight. If I was going to live the rest of my life right where I am right now, I'd be disappointed. If you were going to live your, the rest of your life with the flaws you have and the mistakes you have and the weaknesses you have, you might be disappointed. But the good news is this. You're not a finished product. You're not done. God's not done with you. There's more glory yet to come. This is a freeing statement. This is a freeing understanding that I am not a finished product. I might be disappointed if I was done today, but God is not done with me. Here's what I've decided. I need to reframe my life. You might need to reframe your life. Um, and, and I want to talk about this more in the upcoming weeks, but just to understand a bit about the way your brain works, your brain uh, has these uh, neural pathways, wires, if you will, and, and they connect all different parts of your brain. And so the way it works is, the more you think a thought the easier it is to think that thought. So the first time you think a thought, it builds a bridge, right? It builds a, a connection. And then every time you repeat that thought, it gets easier for your brain to go straight to it. So if you think a negative thought about yourself, if you think, well, I was late today, but I'm always late. That's just who I am. Not talking about any of you in this room uh, today. But if you, think, if you think the thought, I'm always late, every time you say that, you, you pave the road, if you will, to make it easier to think that thought. And so then what happens is, when things go on in your life, you automatically go straight to that thought. So one time, you're late to work because there really was an accident on the highway and they had the highway shut down. So you think, you know, I'm late to work today, but you know, hey, I'm always late. I've always been late. So you build that bridge. But then later, you're not late because there was an accident. You're not late because you overslept. You're not late because of your kids. You're not late because of your husband or your wife. You're just late because you didn't move fast enough this morning. You just laid around and watched too much TV. And, and now you're late. But what do we do? We just jump straight to, well, I'm always late. Because we've built a bridge. This happens in every area of your life. It can be negative or it can be positive. 
right? If you continually say you hate yourself, you're building a neural pathway that will declare you hate yourself. And any, if you build a pathway that says the world is against you, then everything negative that happens in your life, or even kind of negative, will take you to this place that convincing you of the thought you've already thought, which is, the world is against me. Are you tracking with me? But if you live your life just thinking everybody loves you, you'll start to overlook the people that are mad at you, and you'll just start to focus on the people that are smiling at you. They say, look, there's another one. He loves me too. Why? Because we're building neural pathways. What, and, and then what happens is uh, we build, uh, once we continue to build these neural pathways, they turn into cognitive biases or filters or frames through which we see everything. They're filters, they're, they're lenses. Everything that comes into our life comes in through these cognitive biases, these filters, these frames. I've got a, got a picture frame here and I'll help, I'm going to help you illustrate this. So what we understand is, and, and, and these cognitive, cognitive biases are why two people can witness the same event and leave with two totally separate uh, understandings of what happened. The facts didn't change. What changed? The filter, the frame, the cognitive biases. All right? So what I think we ought to do is reframe the way we see our life. I'm not telling you you don't have problems in your life. I'm not telling you you don't have flaws. I'm telling you there's glory in your life. I'm telling you there are good things in your life. I'm telling you there are good things in you that God is in love with and you should be too. So my team's going to help me really quick. And uh, we're, I want to put this picture on the screen. So obviously in this picture, uh, you can tell there's a storm brewing, right? It's a pretty violent, ugly storm. Uh, you, know, you know, with all the rain here lately, we could have just walked outside and taken a picture. Uh, is it ever going to quit raining? Now, I want you to watch. Some people can see, view this as your life, and what they frame, guys, if you'll help me, is they frame, if you will, only the lightning. And everything they see in their life, everything they see in themselves, everything they see in the world around them, all they see is the storm. All they see is the difficulty, all they see is the bad, all they see is the down, all they see is the ugly. That's all they see because that's what they have framed. That is the cognitive biases that they have built in their life. But now, I want to challenge you to reframe your life. Same picture, same facts, frame it again for me. Now, we slide over here, and if you just look through that frame, you don't see the lightning. You don't see the ugly. What do you see? You see light. Okay, there are some clouds, but there's some light here too. Now, did I change the picture? No, it's the same picture. Go back to the first one, guys, just so we can prove it. Here's the first one. Here's the picture. Now go to the third one. All we did was frame what we're looking at and what we're thinking about. You can get up every day and you can frame your negative. You can frame your difficulties. You can frame your ugly. You can announce it to the world. You can remind your family how bad you are. You can remind your spouse how wrong you are. You can remind the, God how many times you've messed up. You, you can remind everyone of all the problems going on in your life. Or 
you could find the good, you could find the glory, you could find the positive, and you can wake up and you can say, I'm going to frame some good things in my life. I'm going to determine that God loved me, so I'm going to love myself. And there is glory still in me, even though there might be storms around me. How are you framing your life? Here's what Paul did. Paul in in Philippians is in prison in Rome. He's under house arrest, in chains, in prison, awaiting to go on trial before Caesar. All he had wanted to do was go to Rome and preach the gospel. All he had wanted to do was go have a, a, a pulpit to stand in and preach. Instead, he's not preaching, he's in prison. And I want, I want to show you what he says. This is what he says. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really stinks. And as a result of the horrible situation I've been through, I'm quitting my small group and never going back to church. That's the original. Oh, no, go back, guys. <laughs> Don't jump ahead, please. We're go, that's the original Winers version right there. That's the OWV. Here's Paul. He is in prison. He could have written how, man, I'm in chains. My wrists are hurting because they have them too tight. I'm malnourished because they don't feed me any food, and the food they feed me isn't fit to be fed to animals. It's horrible in here. Uh, You know, they don't ever let me out to see the light of day. I'm not allowed to leave. I can't have any visitors. No, No, that's not what he said. He didn't talk about how mean the guards were. He didn't talk about how wrong it was that he was in prison. Here's what he actually said in the New International Version. Here's how he framed it. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He could have framed, oh, pitiful me, somebody please come rescue me. Life is so horrible, life is so bad, I shouldn't be here, I didn't do anything wrong. But instead he came over here and he framed, he said, look, these guards, they thought that they could keep me from preaching, and they thought they had me in chains, but guess what? When they chained themselves to me for eight hours a day, I just get to preach an eight-hour sermon every day. You thought I was in prison, you were in prison, and now I'm preaching to the whole world. The prisoners, they come next to me, they put the worst of the worst next to me, and I just start preaching Jesus and preaching Jesus, and they can't get away from me. This is like a preacher's greatest dream right here. I don't have to have a captive audience, you don't have to go to lunch, you are chained to me, I can just keep on talking. This is how Paul framed it. He could have framed it the other way, but no, he said, look, he said, they're convinced now because I got to share with them that I'm not here because of me. I'm here because of him. Then he goes on to say this in verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters, watch this. Now he's talking about his church, folks. He said, now most of the church have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Here's what he said. Not only am I preaching to the other prisoners, not only am I preaching to the guards, and here's what, here's what the Bible says later on, that, um, that the Apostle Paul was pastoring the household of Caesar from prison. And yet he says, not only that, guys, all the church, they've now reframed their life. 
And they're preaching with boldness. They're proclaiming the gospel without fear. They're walking out their purpose, their life. Why? Because I reframed my situation. Can you be like the Apostle Paul? Can you reframe your life? It doesn't change the facts. It doesn't mean that what happened to you didn't happen to you. It just changes how you're going to view yourself, view your life, and view your world. I'm choosing every day to frame the glory of God at work in my life. There are storms all around me. There are problems all around me. Maybe you're here today and you've got sickness in your body and you're fighting. Frame the glory of God at work in your life. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is at the very end of its rope. I know. But frame the fact that you're here today and God's working in your life. Maybe you're at the end of your rope financially. You think you're about to lose your home and you're about to lose your car and you're about to lose everything. Reframe it to know that Jehovah Jireh is your God who provides for you. If I could just get involved in a small group, if I could just get in one of those marriage groups, if I could just get in one of those finance groups, if I could just get in one of those overcoming groups, if I could just get in a group to understand how the Holy Spirit wants to work in my life, I could reframe some things. Next week I'm going to talk to you specifically how to do this, but today I want to, I want to challenge you to start to reframe the way you see yourself. Fall in love with yourself again. You don't have to fix everything. Well, I'll like myself, Pastor Rennan, when, when, when I can stop cussing so much. Love yourself and cuss a little too. It'll be all right. <laughs> My grandpa went on to be with the Lord early this summer. Founding elder of Triumph Church. He was one of the patriarchs on my mom's side of family that, that came to Jesus and why our whole family has served God for 60, 80 years. And he was in the church parking lot one day. Work, he was on, this was when he was on staff at the church. And one of our interns came walking by and he was fighting with something in the parking lot. He was throwing it here and he was throwing it there. And, and he said, O-S-H-I-T, loud. And intern you know this young girl she's like 19 she stopped it's like here's a founding elder this is the this is the senior pastor's father and he said lord forgive me and he paused a second he said nah don't waste your time i'm in every word of it <laughs> not authorizing you to go live any way you want to i'm just saying you know what guys it's gonna be okay I would, I'll love myself, Pastor Randon, when I decide I could be a better husband. No, just go start being a better husband, but love yourself all along the way. Pastor Randon, I would love myself if I could be a better Christian. Not the point. Fall in love with Jesus. Know what he said about you. Love yourself, and then he'll help you live right. You don't have to get it all straight today. Just get in. Start loving yourself. Reframe your life. Pastor Randall, I'd love myself if I could beat this addiction. Love yourself 
And in falling in love with who you are, you'll also discover the power to overcome the addiction in your life. You want to start the business? It starts by loving yourself and believing in yourself. I want to read over you today some declarations. Because I said to you a moment ago that despite your flaws, there's glory in you. And some of you are not convinced because I can see it in your eyes right now. So I want to declare over you what the Bible has said about you, what the Bible teaches about you. All right? We're going to read these declarations together. And on the way out, I've printed you a copy of them. And so if you're struggling to find glory in your life, if you're struggling to find something to fall in love with, I want you to take these home and I want you to read them every day. You might need to go in there and read them over your kids every day. So Pastor Renner, they won't stay still while I read them. That's fine. Wait till they're asleep and sneak attack them. Do you know why? When they're not fighting you, it can get in their spirit. So just go read it over your kids. Read it over your own life and start to believe this about yourself. There's glory in you, but you know what? The enemy is really good at hiding it from you. And you're really good at hiding it from yourself. Here's what I ask you to do. We're going to worship in just a moment, and then uh, Pastor Lindsay's going to come. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment as, as I read these. And I just want to encourage you uh, to receive them. Don't argue, right? Because if you're like me, the moment you start hearing them, you'll start arguing. You'll start finding all the flaws. Don't find the flaws. Just receive it into your heart, okay? If you're willing and if you're comfortable... Open your hands up just like this, like you're going to receive something. If you're wild and crazy and you're one of those kind of Christians, maybe you want to raise your hands up, but I'll let you decide. You are strong and mighty. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. You are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. He says you are forgiven. He says you are redeemed. He says you are free. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of the world. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. You demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart, guards your mind, and guards your soul in Christ Jesus. Your God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. You are empowered. You are chosen. You are called. You are the masterpiece of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Your God will bless you abundantly so that in all things and in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Your God is for you. Your God is with you. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not death, not demons, not your past, not your present. No power on earth will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe that this morning, would you clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord?
Father, I just know today that because you love us, you are authorizing us to love ourselves, to approve of ourselves, to say that we have glory in us. We may not have seen it, and we may have been looking at our flaws and our mistakes and our challenges and our hang-ups and our problems and the storms around us, but God, we're going to begin to look at the light of Jesus Christ that is shining in us. We're going to begin to focus on the good things, and we're going to love ourselves like you love us, God. Lord, I pray that you would help those in this room that need to forgive themselves. Help us to forgive today. Help us to be who you've called us to be. Help us to create new pathways in our mind that believe the good thing, that fall in love with ourselves again. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God.